0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. We are getting two days closer to the 2023 NFL draft. That means we have time for one more final Pewter Report Bucks mock draft that you may have seen on pewterreport.com. That was published earlier today. We will go through each and every single pick on today's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the man that was half responsible for this uh, mock draft that posted earlier today. He is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com. SR, Scott Reynolds, and Scott, happy draft season. How you feeling getting into the nitty-gritty of this
1: well, I'm on Celsius number two, Matt, for the day. So if that tells you something. <laughs> um been been cranking out about 12 hour days here for the last couple of days, getting ready for our 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 draft show, our live draft show, which will be held at one buck place, the Advent Health Training Center, coming up uh on Thursday. I mean, boy, this draft is just really creeping up on you here. It's like it seemed like a couple of weeks ago, it was like a month away. And now all of a sudden, it's days away. So it's it's a it's a fun time. Uh, I was out at the Bruce Arians uh, Family Foundation Gala last night. Bruce Arians does the the fundraiser for CASA, which is the court-appointed uh, special advocate. Um, uh, kind of, I don't want to say charity, but it's a it's a cause really that his wife, Chris, is very very. Um, passionate about yeah and they've helped a lot of kids in arizona back when bruce was out there and also here in the tampa bay area over the last couple years so it was great to see uh, not just bruce arians but jason pierre paul was there former buccaneer Mm -hmm. maybe he's looking for work i don't know but he was there in addition to jason light john Spytek, mike beal rob mccartney mike greenberg from the front office todd bowles was there uh, you probably saw our story on Peter Report about Ty Bull's comments, his first public comments about Devin White's contract dispute and his trade request, and uh, and then there was also some other coaches there. Joe Gilbert, offensive line coach uh, Harold Goodwin was there, Larry Foot, as well as Thad Lewis, uh, the, the quarterbacks coach. So uh, a pretty good turnout for for that. Um, I, I had it. I'm not going to reveal who it was, but I had a couple of of Bucks front office people come up to me and put a little pressure on. They said, uh, "Is this going to be the third year in a row you guys are going to get our first pick right in the mock draft?" And I said, "I don't know." And I had one of them uh, text me today and said, "Are you confident, you know, about getting three in a row?" And I said, uh, "I'm. I, I'm not confident in things I can't control." I'm going to use the term hopeful instead. So, yeah. We'll see. Uh we we've had a, a a good little run if you will in terms of nailing not just Bucks best bets, but also, you know, players in our mock draft, man. We had we struck out completely. I'll I'll be the first to admit we didn't nail a single pick in 2020. That was awfully hard because there was no combine in 2020 uh nor was there any pre-draft visits or anything like that. So, very difficult to get a, a read and a feel on on who the Bucks were going to take. And of course, Tristan Werps and Antoine Winfield, that's a nice one, two punch. Yeah. The next year we actually did nail Joe Tron, Shoinka and Kyle Trask one and two in our mocks. Those were also Bucks best bets. And then last year between our mock draft and some Bucks best bets, we had uh, Logan Hall and Rashad White, as well as Kate Otten. So we, you know, if we can hit one, we're, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. So we'll see what happens on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, but uh, we do have our final mock draft and we put a lot of work into it. Josh Capo and I collaborated on, on really all of them and and split the work on on this last one here. So it was, we feel pretty good about it. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Josh Capo. He was on uh, yesterday's show with me as we previewed the defensive side of the ball. So uh, make sure you check out that episode. If you haven't seen it yet yet and, Yes, it's important to uh read Peter Report's mock drafts because uh we have the intel, the insight, and odds are we're not perfect, but the odds are usually in our favor when it comes to uh landing and securing some of the picks that the Bucs end up going with. And that's what kind of makes it so much fun, too, of uh, you know, seeing whether you're right or wrong or or what the ideal pick is going to be. And I think this year you kind of talked about 2020 with the, all the different variables, mostly being that there's no combine and, and up close and personal meetings and and things of that nature. Uh, I think this year, while obviously you can't compare it to 2020 and what was going on then, I think this year being so wide open and the Bucks in a much different (laughs) position of just positions that they need, but it's more depth than it necessarily is an immediate starter, except for like certain positions where, um, Maybe the first round, you're a little more comfortable or hopeful, as you said, or I'll use the term cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, but the later rounds, too, can really ping pong in any type of direction. But that's what makes it makes it so exciting is uh, you never know what's going to happen next, who's going right. to strike a trade, what other teams need. I see some people in the chat talking about offensive tackle. And yeah. the other teams, like the Jets and the Bears, if they need an offensive tackle, how that right. affects the Bucks. Um Yeah, a lot of moving yeah. parts going into Thursday's big event.
1: Yeah, I had I had one um, member of the front office, not going to say who, but uh, asked me, um, you know, because they said, all right, you know, who's who's your first round pick? And if you've read the story today or at least seen the picture of the story on the front page, you would know that it's Oklahoma left tackle Anton Harrison, who is, uh, you know, late first round, maybe early second round type player. Same could have been said last year about Logan Hall. And also Louisine from Georgia, the safety that the Bucs were interested in as well, kind of right in that same realm. Harrison might be a guy that is there at 19. You grab him if you're the Buccaneers or if you can trade back a couple spots and still get him, you know, using a little bit of luck and strategy. You pick up an extra pick and you slide back a little bit and get the guy you want that happened last year in the Bucs, Matt. They traded all the way out of the first round into the top of the second round to get Logan Hall. And and you know also sacrificed the potential of getting Lewis seen the safety from Georgia as well. They had a couple of players they like, and that's that. That's what teams do, Matt. Is is it's not just typically one player that that they'll move back for. It's it's a pot of players. It's it's a grouping of players. If if the Buccaneers are going to move back three spots, well, they have to ha- have at least three players that are equally in terms of value, in terms of grade there, because if you only have two. And you're moving back three spots there's a chance you could lose both of those players and then okay you pick up an extra pick but you're taking a, a player from another tier down and you've really kind of blown your opportunity to get one of those upper echelon players so it's the pod effect that um, th- that will determine how far the bucks can go down how many players are left in that pod yeah. and that grouping of round one and you know the buccaneers they probably only have maybe 20 first-round grades on players, and it might even be fewer than that because they, they might rule out a couple of players due to character or medical or we just don't need this position, right? Mm-hmm. And and so th- that that's where putting the jigsaw puzzle comes into effect, and you're right, Matt, when you say that it's hard this year because there's so many needs, right? They can address uh, safety slash slot. Cool. yeah you know, right off the bat and get Brian, uh, branch if he's there from Alabama. Right. And then that probably takes guys like Sidney Brown and Quan Martin, Jamie Robinson, right? Out of the picture. And, you know, and then it probably negates their opportunity to take a tackle, right? Uh, and now you're, now you're taking a different tier tackle. So it, it's a little bit of like a, a pinball effect where, you know, one, one pick affects the other. So part of the, of doing the mock draft is guessing which round they're gonna take which position and is that player going to be there is that player going to be available and you know we like Darnell right Matt you're one of the first guys on the Peter Report staff to really yeah, kind of gravitate towards him. the train yeah no doubt <laughs> at the senior bowl I was talking last night to some some people at the at the gala they don't think he's gonna be there at 19 right so that's part of why uh when we do our mock draft and again getting back to my long-winded story here I was asked to rank the offensive tackles when I said Anton Harrison. And they said, oh, okay, well, where, where do you have Harrison ranked in, in your tackles? I'm not including Skronsky from Northwestern as a tackle. I think he will be moved inside to guard. to be a Pro Bowl caliber guard. So if you look at just the pure tackles, Paris Johnson Jr., Ohio State, number one, probably Darnell Wright and my board, Tennessee, right tackle, number two, Broderick Jones, the left tackle out of Georgia, number three and then anton harrison number four from oklahoma and uh once i ranked those four then 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 a comment was was ushered um oh so we're taking the fourth best offensive tackle then huh and i said well yeah but you did that with tristan wirfs in 2020 and it worked out pretty well so so sometimes you got to let the board come to you, and and some sometimes other teams will take players that don't end up being as special as a guy that's, that's down there. Tom Brady was not the number one quarterback right. taken back <laughs> in 2000, right? But, you know, he was, what, the 16th or 17th quarterback, whatever the number is, and, you know, yeah. 199th pick. Ended up being the best one by a mile, by 10 miles, by 100 miles.
0: Yeah, a lot of this really is – Beauty is the behind in the whatever the saying is. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Because yeah. you go back to that 2020 draft, a lot of us, like myself included, I'm pretty sure you did too. And, and yeah. Peter Report, as a majority, yeah. had Tristan Wirf's as the number one offensive tackle. Well, he was not there. <laughs> we couldn't believe what <laughs> right. we were seeing. We could yeah. not believe
1: if yeah, Jedrick watching, Wills was off the board. And, yeah. Andrew Thomas. And, yeah. Makai
0: Beckton as well. Yeah. Seeing all yeah. those players go ahead, it's like, whoa. What is happening? Like, the Bucks are going to be able to get their guy, and then the fact that they traded up one spot became yeah. absolutely well worth it. And, you know, talking about trades, as we kind of mentioned before, as you were yeah. talking about, where probably would behoove the Bucks to move back in this year's draft, especially if they still yeah. want to get Harrison. And I think the whole Devin White situation throws another wrench into this whole thing because then you do kind of have to uh, address – The linebacker position as well, but you can't move four spots back, have three guys on your board, and then bam, uh, they're all gone. So you got to have Plan A, Plan B, and uh, Plan C. Uh, We got to give a shout out to our guy, definitely Layton Carter. Thank you for the five dollars. Thank you, Layton says, great work as always, guys. Patiently waiting until Thursday go bucks. So yeah, Scott, let me ask you as we kind of start to dissect this mm-hmm. this live mock draft or I guess it's not really live, it's already been done. Yeah. Um we do have Harrison going as the Bucks first pick at 19. Right. How far back though if the Bucks were able to trade back and as Bruce Arians likes to say, if the price is right and the deal is real. Right. How yeah. far back do you think the Bucks could go where you would feel comfortable with Harrison still on the board where the Bucks can get him? And still add a, a little more draft capital at the same time.
1: That's a great question, Matt. And I'll probably have a better answer for you on Thursday. Only I put you on the spot a little bit, so then, no, no, yeah, then that's fine. That's fine. But uh, I, I really have. I've been so tunnel focused on the Buccaneers, on these mock drafts, on our Bucks best bets, and our position previews. I'm really going to spend tomorrow really looking at the first round and the other teams where they are in the first round and and their team needs and and then kind of look at that and maybe make some educated guesses about some possible trade partners if they want to trade down you know does dallas do they want to get up and get bijan robinson if he's still there and available um you know and and here's the thing too matt you can look at those teams and you can say okay they don't need a tackle so that's safe this team doesn't need a tackle that's safe right and you can go down that list but just like the Buccaneers did in 2020 that you just pointed out, they traded up one spot to get a tackle Mm -hmm. and Jason light traded up because he was getting wind that there was another team that was going to trade up and possibly get Tristan works. So, you know, at the end of the day, what do they give up A, a fourth or fifth, something like that to move up one spot, right? Well worth it for maybe the best offensive tackle in the game today, especially on the right side. So, Th- that's where it becomes a little sketchy. You can look at the other teams behind you and see, okay, probably safe here to trade down three or four or five spots, whatever. But all it takes is a team trading up from the lower part of the first round or, Matt, a, tra- a team who's already picked trades its in. second round pick and maybe a fourth to get back into the first round to grab a left tackle. They don't grow in trees. So yeah, I, I think after Harrison, though – there is kind of a fall off at the left tackle position. And I think that's why once you kind of get down to the fourth tackle with Harrison, the Bucks better grab him if they can, because he's not going to last long. I don't think, I don't, I think he's going to get out of the first round.
0: Yeah. I think it, if you look at it, if we're kind of formulating and basing like offensive tackle and safety as some of the top two positions that the Bucs need to get after yeah. in this year's draft. You can run the risk of not getting a safety in the first round and still getting Jamie Robinson, Sidney Brown, some of the other guys that we talked about. You can run that risk, and hopefully they are still there. I mean, I don't think any of them are really first-round picks, but you can get them in, like, that second, third round, where if you miss out on Harrison, I'm not saying you shouldn't draft an offensive tackle at all, but the train has already left. You missed the ferry trying to get onto that boat. So it's almost a... Necessity in that of that time frame of you can trade back, but you yeah. have to make sure that he's still there. And um, you know it's a little bit of that's a little bit of a gamble for sure. But yeah. if you're able to recoup a couple more picks, then right. maybe it very well could be worth the risk. Or you know maybe Darnell Wright falls there too. There's so many different things that right. uh, are possible.
1: Yeah, and, and some teams may preference a left tackle, right? They may put more of a priority on that. Harrison and Jones might go ahead of of Wright because he's pretty much viewed as a right tackle in the league, right? And so th- there's there's that situation where maybe Darnell Wright falls to the Buccaneers just like Tristan Wirf fell to the Buccaneers back in 2020. So we'll have to see. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be an interesting night. A lot of guessing, and I think it's going to be uh, it, it, when I talked to Jason Light last night. He's he is in complete agreement with probably what a lot of people have read on Twitter. It's going to be a wide open first round a lot of guys as you said matt beauty's in the eye of the beholder you're going to see guys that some draft prognosticators will say wow that's a reach that's a second round player well not on their board i mean it's exactly there's not a lot of difference between guys probably between pick number 15 and the end of the second round i I think there's there's a a large swath of guys that are kind of all graded similarly and obviously different positions and different you know uh priorities but but i i just think that they're gonna be you know um there's gonna be some some interesting picks there you know i mean like for example the patriots picked what cole strange in the first round last yes. year you know so there you go
0: yeah patriots are always a candidate to like make the odd pick that yeah no one i uh, really saw coming uh we're gonna review the draft right after this super chat from bucks basement if you super chat us we'll make sure we get to it right away hmm. and don't worry if you don't want to ask a draft question, that's fine too. Yep. Uh, thank you, Bucks Basement. They say uh, I am disturbed by the report that Devin White wouldn't be around till the start of the regular season. Nope. Get rid of him. Arians would have.
1: <laughs> well, oh, but Bruce, Bruce Arians said last night, he's like, just "Show up and play, Devin." He, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to get rid of Devin. They just want him to knock it off and just come back and play some football. That, You know, this guy wants to get paid and nobody's going to pay him right now. No one's going to trade for him right now. It's just, it's not going to happen. The Bucs don't want to trade him. Uh, This is a critical year for Todd Bowles. This is a critical year for the franchise. They don't want to get lapped by the Falcons who spent a lot of money or the Saints who now have a better quarterback and, and Derek Carr. They want to continue to compete for the NFC South title and continue to ascend and get back up into eventually a Super Bowl contention, you know, not this year, probably not next year, but so 2026, maybe if they have a couple of good drafts, the cap situation clears up a little bit. It, this is not the year to necessarily have a rookie linebacker learning on the job when you've got a, a guy in Devin White, who is in his fourth year in Todd Bowles system, Matt.
0: Yeah, and a disgruntled guy that's probably not going to be willing to show you the ropes as much as you would yeah. hope in that type of situation. I think what Devin is failing to understand on the other side of this is you, other teams can't afford him right now. Free agency is done. Right. The draft is right here. Any other replacement, at inside linebacker, odds are it's going to be through the draft, even though Jason Light has said it's not a very strong draft yeah. um, in general. But, you know, you have to have a a trading partner it takes two to tango and i think even with the bucks we're saying right now we want to actively and willingly shop devin white which they are absolutely not no team is really uh coming to the table so it's in devin's best interest just to you know just to play it out and bet on yourself and, and prove that you can do it for um another season and then as far as like holding out in OTAs and training camp, or I guess training camp specifically, yeah. the situation, go ahead and do it if you want to. I mean, you're just going to cause more distractions. Um, you're just going to get a further bad label. And I don't think Devin has a bad label just yet, but uh, right. you know, you're know, you just going to lose more money. You're going to have to play anyway if you want to become that free agent and get that big contract next year. Um, I think what he should just do is say, you know, I've said my piece, I know I want this big contract, I'm gonna play out my year and then kind of go from there. And I think a lot of bucks yeah. fans and players and personnel will at least respect him being open about it and playing through. But until then, Devin doesn't really have a lot of options.
1: No, he doesn't, Matt. And, and I think what he has to understand is, and this is, I think, where his immaturity is is really coming to the forefront. He's he's kind of showing his ass to other teams, right? And and you know, I've said it before, it bears repeating if he wants so bad to be the you know the highest paid linebacker in the league and and trump what roquan smith is making well the problem with that is he's not roquan smith he's he's not as yeah. nearly as good or worse consistent as as roquan smith but if if that's what his his burning desire is, yeah, hey, I've already got a Super Bowl. I'm already a Pro Bowl or I want to get paid now, right? It, it, that's that's the, the perception he's giving off right now in social media. Okay, fine. So let's say some team foolishly trades for him or signs him in free agency next year. What's going to happen two years down the road into that five or six-year contract extension when he gets lapped and, and somebody else is the highest-paid linebacker? Is he going to hold out again? Is he going to gripe again because he's not the highest paid guy now? Um, you know, is he going to be a problem again if if a team trades premium draft pick for him, um, pays him all this money, and then has to deal with this kind of, you know, foolishness or nonsense again in a couple of years? Is it worth it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm of the opinion right now, and I listen, i I've got no bones or beef with with Devin white. Um, but sometimes when people tell you who they are, pay attention, right? Right. Um, I'm fine with letting him walk. this team can draft a, 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 you know a Jack Campbell, um you know, a cam Jones, a, a really good inside linebacker in this year's draft class. and then he wants to, to go somewhere else to make some money, whatever. Fine, go ahead and go. The Bucks get a third-round compensatory pick the next year. That that's fine. I, I like team guys. I you know, I like guys that that want to be a part of of the Buccaneers. De, uh, Derek Brooks in 2001 held out for 11 days in training camp. He didn't ask for a trade. He didn't want out. He wanted the Bucks to pay him. And they finally did. But we didn't get that from Devin White. Devin White just he skipped over the holdout and went right for the the triple right, dog area.
0: That's, yeah, that's the uh, the odd part about it. And every year, someone gets the new highest paid contract of all time. You see it more with right. like quarterbacks and wide receivers. But, um, you know, inside linebacker is not secluded from that at all. So, yeah, a bit odd that he just completely skipped it right there. I can live with the Bucks moving on from Devin White if they have no other choice. It's either move on from him or pay him the 20000000 million. Yeah. I- I'm okay with that. It's just... It's a whole new world going into a season if Levante David's not there either, and you have two new inside linebackers. Now, granted, you could find another one in free agency that isn't as expensive and kind of have a veteran with with a rookie coming in. So it's not like you just have to draft two inside rookie inside linebackers, and that's your group for next year. But yeah, definitely a... not the most exciting outlook at inside linebacker in 2020. Yeah, and,
1: and I'll say this too, Matt. If um, it, you know the Bucks' attitude towards Devin White might change if if they do draft like uh, you know a, a Drew Sanders, a Jack Campbell. If they really invest a, a premium draft pick into a guy that they feel has an immediate starter potential, has really really big upside, you know, and and I think I, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm going to take Jason Light and Todd Bowles at their word. I don't think they're going to trade Devin White. But if they come away in the second round, right, with the with Jack Campbell,
0: uh-huh.
1: all of a sudden <laughs> you can kind of imagine that a little bit if you're Jason Light and Todd Bowles. Okay, well, you know what? Hmm, we have our guy now. We have our guy for the future. Maybe he replaces Levante next year in 2024. Or if Devin holds out, or we trade Devin, maybe we just start him next to Levante for a year, right? All of a sudden, once you have that kind of you know, bird in the hand, mm-hmm. then maybe you relax a little bit on the we're not gonna trade Devin White stance. You know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens.
0: I'm just curious to get Levante David's uh, you know, thoughts about all of this. Because when yeah. we last spoke to him, it was before any of the that's right, the trade requests, and he was talking about how excited he was to continue to develop with. Devin, and yeah. uh, you know, now that's that's yeah. obviously changed, so
1: yeah, you go. a good question from Christopher Oxentiner. I don't think Devin White is going to be worth a, a first round pick.
0: If, if someone offers that, I think you got to take it, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't yeah. It. you got to take it. But
1: even Roquan Smith, who again, better, more consistent, more accolades for Roquan Smith, only fetched a second and a five, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Matt. If if you get a first round, you really got to think about taking it, uh, but. It will be interesting to see. So uh let's let's go back to uh our, our our first round pick was Anton Harrison. But folks, if you're looking for your own first round pick, you might have seen our Twitter polls we've been doing. We want to find out what the top Celsius flavor is. And right now, if you go to uh we're we're just about into the semifinals here. So right now, our latest Twitter poll is has got sparkling Arctic vibe over peach vibe. Matt, that's probably gonna upset you a little bit, aren't you, a peach guy?
0: No, I'm
1: Arctic Vibe. Okay, yeah. All right, so yeah, you're happy. Josh Capo is, is not happy. So Arctic Vibe is winning. So it looks like right now, Arctic Vibe, Grape, Tropical Vibe, and Orange. That's going to be the, the the final four right there. And then we'll have a, a winner uh, during the draft, and, and we'll see which, which Celsius flavor prevails. I had the Orange this morning, and it was awesome as always. I will say that I did try, uh, I had a fancy vibe the other day, but there is a new flavor. And that flavor is this one right here. I'll put it up on the screen here. Oasis vibe. Oh, Folks. Yeah. Uh I literally just had this this afternoon. It's got a great afternoon taste. It's not too sweet. The o- Oasis vibe is sparkling prickly pear and lime. And it's absolutely delicious. It's definitely a top five for me right now. I like some afternoon flavors. I like the lemon lime. And we'll put that up on the screen right there, the sparkling lemon lime. The fantasy vibe is sweet. The orange is kind of sweet. Those are kind of breakfast flavors for me, tropical vibe, uh, arctic vibe, peach vibe. Those are all kind of sweet flavors. If you're looking for some flavors that are more afternoon, boy, that, that uh, lemon lime is fantastic, as is the Oasis vibe as well. And, uh, and where can you get Celsius? Well, it's really easy. They make it super easy. All you have to do is go to Celsius.com, type in your location, and you're going to find all of these health and fitness stores, convenience stores, grocery stores. Oh, what's that the name for what's that the name for a convenience store, Matt? What am I a
0: Bodega. Am
1: I bodega. And then go there and grab a couple cans, try and find out the ones you like. Once you find the ones you like, you can order them on Amazon, do the subscribe and save. They ship them right to you. I just got a huge a case of Celsius um, that I ordered from from uh, Amazon, ship right to your door. It's as easy as that. You can also get Celsius now on Instacart. So there's plenty of ways to enjoy Celsius. Just make sure that you're drinking a Celsius, folks. It's got all the energy you need without the sugar crash later because there's no sugar. It's a healthy energy drink for you, and uh, it's the official energy drink of Peter Report, and I am fully energized by Celsius today, two of them, so. Uh, we're we're uh, uh, we're literally just a couple days away, Matt, from the the dra- the live draft show, and we're super excited about this. Kicks off at seven p.m. Eastern time, April twenty seventh. That's this Thursday, and if you notice, all these times are an hour before the actual draft starts. So you get you get all the previews, and you get caught up on what happened the day before by tuning in to our Peter report live draft show energized by Celsius you can watch it on peterreport.com it's all you got to do if you're on your phone your tablet your laptop go to peterreport.com check it out you can also stream it right here on our YouTube channel Peter report TV make sure you're subscribing to our Peter report TV uh, channel and also liking all of our videos it helps us with the algorithm and gets in front of gets us in front of other Peter report uh, Peter people uh, and we love you Peter people that's why we do yes, the show is for you guys so let's get back to the the mock draft, uh, Matt, we've got uh, Anton Harrison in round two. And we we go edge rusher in and round. I, I should say Anton Harrison in round one. In round two, we go to edge rusher, Derek Hall from Auburn.
0: Yes, we do. A little bit of an undersized player. Um, we talked about him a lot, though, in, in previous episodes. He's a senior. That's 6'3", 254. Um, a little bit undersized like i just said but just a physical specimen brought down by the greek gods i don't think he's greek but no, nonetheless um brings that physical physical nature to his game and someone that's kind of uh been missing on the bucks defensive side of the ball especially edge rusher we talked about jpp earlier who was at the gala just someone that's going to come in and be a fire fire breathing ass kicker you know yeah. um Bring a little bit of nastiness and a little bit of attitude to this team, which I think is um, exactly what he brings. And he's got um, he's got the right arm length, even though his size isn't exactly yep. there. Um, good leverage as well. So definitely someone that fits the mold for the type of edge rusher that the Bucks are looking for. And uh, you know we've talked a ton about the fact that the uncertainty of Shaq Barrett uh, makes this a more appealing draft pick to take an outside linebacker earlier on and yep. the the lack of development from JTS and um you know obviously Anthony Nelson yep. we think is a third outside linebacker. So definitely someone um on the bucks radar and yep. kind of fits the billing for what they're looking for.
1: And and I think they want to get faster too. And this yes. guy runs a four five five you know that's not always what you necessarily look for and need getting to the quarterback because it's more of like an arc. It's more about that that 10 yard split time than anything. But in terms of pursuit terms of sideline to sideline speed this guy has it and and i think that he helps their their uh speed on defense here super chat from christopher cole double 99 we appreciate that Could we get miles murphy in the second or third round maybe i i'm not a as big of a fan of miles murphy i think the production's a little inconsistent i know he is kind of in that derrick hill vein very good athlete very fast etc i'm just not as big of a fan of of him and again it's is you know, is he going to be there? Like, like LSU's BJ Ojolari, who also came in for mm-hmm. a top thirty visit. We don't know if Derek Hall came in for a top thirty visit, but there's a chance Derek Hall is there at number fifty in the second round for the Buccaneers. I'm not sure BJ Ojolari is going to be there. That's why we kind of went with Derek Hall over Ojolari because part of this is if you're going to make these guesses about who they're going to draft, they have to at least possibly be there. When you're making some of these prognostications, and and some people, and I've been answering this on uh, Twitter this morning. Well, you had Felix Andudeke Ozama from Kansas State as your Buck's best bet. So why wasn't he the guy in your mock draft? And and you know, Matt, when it comes to a couple of players that are just about even, right? Mm-hmm. We, so we we kinda, we kind of we kind of split the tie, right? We did this last year, right? We, we knew that they liked Damian Pierce from Florida. We knew that they liked Rashad White from Arizona. We put Rashad White in the mock draft in the third round. We put Damian Pierce in in the the Bucks' best bet section. Yeah, for that running back. And it's not like we're we're trying to, you know, spread it around to where we now have more picks. I Natural mean, bets. not yeah, exactly. We're, we're not necessarily hedging our bets, folks. Our job is to tell you who the Bucks are going to draft, give you guys the insight as far as they like these players. And just like last year, Matt, they didn't like just one running back. They like multiple. So we're, we're trying to, you know. It, just it give like everyone
0: it, the most information. Like yeah. they're not just going to only be a fan of one player at one position. Right. They could easily like two edge rushers, but you can only pick one. They That's could right. like four safeties, but they're going to go with the best one yeah. available. To go back to Murphy real quick. Um, he's projected as a first or a second rounder, um, it, depending on the yeah. uh, various draft analysts that you look at. Um, I wouldn't take him with the Bucks' first-round pick, obviously. Right. I think, again, we're kind of narrowing that down to yeah. offensive tackle or potentially Brian Branch at safety um, if he's there. But, yeah, I mean, the Bucks may like him. They may also like Derek Hall and Felix right. uh, Anudike Uzama. So, yeah. Um, you know, just because we predict one guy over the other doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, we feel any differently about, you know, a third guy. It's just there's only so many options. And we just want to put as many players as possible on your radar because... And it may not even be someone that, like, you might... I I guess the best way to describe it is there might be certain players that you're absolutely in love with and you don't really hear us talking about them at all. And maybe that's just because... They're not a fit for the Bucks specifically. Yeah. It doesn't make them a bad player. If there's a right. defensive tackle or an outside linebacker that is more fit for a 4-3 defense, why would we talk about him with a Bucks 3-4 exactly. type of defense? I, I think right. that's kind right. of the and best way to look at it.
1: Perfect example, Matt. You, you nailed it. It is like um uh Keon White, right from Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he is a New Orleans Saints, four-three power defensive end. He's not a good fit for the outside linebacker uh, position that Todd Bowles wants to run, despite Mel Kuyper trying to shove him to the Buccaneers in several first round mock drafts. is not going to happen. And if it does, I'm happy to come on here and, and say, well, Mel Kuyper knows more about the Bucks draft than I do. But I don't know that that's the case. Third rounds, we're going to go to a familiar face. We've talked about him a lot. He's been in mock drafts that we've done before. Uh, we had him in the second round in one mock draft. But Sam Laporta from Iowa, uh, Matt, this is a player that, Man, you talk about when the ball's in his hands. This guy makes things happen. He's got, got some it. speed, four five nine, uh, kind of undersized, kind of like that George Kittle, who also went to Iowa too, right? Hawkinson. I mean, there's there's been a lot yeah. of yeah.
0: Iowa's kind of TEU, kind of yeah.
1: It used to be Miami, now it's Iowa, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Laporta, I think, is a great compliment to Kate Doden because we got to remember the Bucks have to decide, but who's going to be tight end one, but they kind of almost don't have to because Dave Canales, the new offensive coordinator we project is going to um, implement a lot of two tight end sets which yeah. the bucks did a little bit to a degree last year, but I think you'll see a lot more of it. And with Aden being a, a solid blocker right now at the moment, and you have co in the mix, that could also be a blocker as well. I think it's, I think it's important for Tampa Bay specifically if they're addressing tight end to get another, you know, big time receiver. And, you know, he's had two straight years, 50 catches um, over 650 receiving yards. He's got a huge radius, which I think is super important, especially when you have Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask as the quarterback, that's going to be throwing it to you. You either both times you're having a quarterback that, is in a new offensive system. And for Trask, it, yeah. it'd be his first time starting if, if he gets in there. So uh, I think there's a lot to like just overall with his radius, with his speed, um, his ability to be a route runner. Um, just adds another weapon to the Buccaneers offense, which could certainly use one or two more, especially if there's going to be a drop-off at wide receiver out of the big three of um, you know Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and and Russell Gage. I'm not saying Russell Gage is a big three wide receiver, but he's three on the right. depth chart. So, you know, if you have to add in a, another element, whether it's another really good receiving tight end that can kind of make up for production that you might not get from a wide receiver four or, you know, if a running back that they take late, uh, burst onto the scene as well and becomes RB2 behind Rashad White. Also also going to need weapons in many different ways. So I think Sam right. LaMorne, a very exciting not the best run blocker, but can improve. But again, that's why you have you you have Coekeith there, and yeah. why Kate Otten has already you know gotten to a certain level as a blocker. I think he's definitely an intriguing pick. And the way the other Iowa tight ends have panned out in recent years, how would you not be excited about a player coming from that school?
1: Yeah, and you know what? Uh, fair point. Uh, he might be gone by the by the third round. He might be a second round pick. We had him as a Buck's best bet. So that's that day two range, right? That second or third round is where Laporta could go. The Buccaneers could also trade up to get him, right? Yeah. And we, we've seen that before where the Buccaneers go back to 2015. They drafted Donovan Smith early in the second round. and Then they traded their third-round pick and I think maybe a fifth to move up into the second round to get Ali Marpet. So we've seen Jason Light make some moves to, to trade up to get players. We've seen him trade back. Um, he's Trader Jason, man. This guy will – He'll if he likes the player, he'll go get him or at least try yeah. So I think Laporta is one of those those players that that they're high on as well. Um, and let's move on to day three. The Bucks don't have a fourth round pick as of right now, but folks, I'm telling you, that's burning a hole in Jason Light's heart because he loves recovering draft picks that he has traded away. So you watch if if they can, they'll trade down in the first round, maybe even a spot or two, and try to re- get a fourth round pick. Just that's just like an OCD thing with him. He hasn't told yeah. me that, but I kind of know. <laughs> and and uh, if he can get a fourth-round pick, uh, he's going to want to do that. It's going to be awfully hard, Matt. We talked about it today kind of on our, our group call as we're the Pewter reporters behind the scenes were planning our draft show. It was a different story last year, Matt. They had the first pick in the fourth round to start day three. They picked Kate Otten from Washington the tight end. Now they won't pick until well into the fifth round. So they're going to be twiddling their thumbs without that fourth round pick for well over an hour or so, probably close to two hours before they pick in the fifth round, unless they, they make a move up. But in our mock draft, we don't do trades. So let's stick to, to what we have in the fifth round. So in the fifth round, uh, they address the defensive line position with the player that really has kind of fluctuating value. And, and I think that he's more of a day three guy. a player that we liked at the Senior Bowl. Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, who played defensive end. He was a big 4-3 defensive end guy at around 300 pounds. 27 and a half career sacks. Knows how to get to the quarterback. Is going to make a transition from edge rusher to inside. And that will probably require a year's worth of development or so. But he can help you in there. And 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 learn how to play that position on the run as a rookie.
0: Yes, he can. I think the the production is key as well. He had 10 sacks uh his last year playing at uh playing at bowling green, uh, played multiple years a- as a starter and the fact that he was a DN and can now is going to have to kick in to the defensive side um you know, Top Bowles loves versatility. He lines, right. He loves lining up guys all over the place. So you want to talk about versatility on the defensive line. Carl Brooks is your guy. And you mentioned his performance at the Senior Bowl. I, I think just the fact, and I was saying this on yesterday's show, when you just have a small school guy that performs well against yeah. the big-name schools and the big-name conferences, competition. against yeah. Power 5 competition, that sticks with you for whatever reason. So I think – with defensive tackle, it's very interesting because a lot of this depends on the overall development of Logan Hall because he got Vita Vea in there. And you, right. you signed Greg Gaines, who should be like a, another big run stuffer. So if you want to take a guy that, as you said, is somewhat developmental, the athleticism is there, the fact that the production is there, I think you're willing to quote-unquote redshirt him if – Logan Hall is able to step up, or the Bucks re-sign uh, Will Golson. So, uh, you know, there's yeah. a reason we've been talking about him a lot. There's a reason he was a Bucks' best bet for some of the later rounds, and Carl Brooks, Don't be surprised if he's in Tampa Bay uh, by the end of this week.
1: Yeah, he was in Tampa Bay as a third, as a uh, top thirty visit too. So he's yes. one of those players that that came in to visit this team, and 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 we'll see if if he's still around by the time the Bucks pick. On day three, which will be in the the fifth round for a small school guy making a transition, even though he played well at the senior bowl. Remember, he was a combine snub. And sometimes that's a tell in terms of how NFL teams view players. Sometimes those combine snubs they will get picked in the middle rounds, but sometimes more often than not, they're day three guys. So sticking with the fifth round. Another top thirty visit, a guy that the Bucks had in. Uh, they had his brother in also, but we're talking yes. about Chase Brown from Illinois, the running back. Tampa Bay needs that fourth running back on the depth chart, Matt, with Rashad White, Keyshawn Bond, the newly added Chase Edmonds. This is a guy when I'm watching, when I'm watching him on tape, and, and I just te- I texted Rondé Barber this today. I said he's not Tiki Barber but there's a little bit of similarity built low to the ground, right? Kind of a compact Mm -hmm. muscular frame, very good contact balance kind of slithers through the hole, not a breakaway fast guy with with track speed, but fast enough to rip off some big runs. Uh, I see a little bit of Tiki Barber in, in Chase Brown.
0: Yeah. And Tiki Barber, uh, was a great running back for the New York Giants had a little bit of a fumbling issue for yeah. a bit, but he, yeah, he was looking at look him. From-
1: he's he's holding it high and tight yeah, right, in this picture. exactly he's, he's already yeah. got that
0: down. I think, uh, you know, the description of him was rocked up, like just yeah. the way that he looks and how he's low to the ground. I mean, it's key for running backs to have that low center of gravity. And yeah. he said, he might not be the fastest, but I mean, he had a four, four, three. So, yeah. um, you know, that's fairly good speed. And there, again, the production is there had two seasons in a row with over 1,000 rushing yards, totaled 15 touchdowns um, in those two years as well. Um, I, I think with any running back in this situation, that's most likely going to be a backup or maybe a third down guy. You, you want to look at the receiving as well. Um, I think a little bit more to be desired there uh, with the receiving. I don't yeah. think uh, – it's nothing that he can't do. I just think maybe the opportunity didn't – totally present itself. Uh, yeah, he really
1: only had. You're right. He only had one year where he was really kind of force fed the yeah. ball in the passing game, right? It, you know, it, back at Western Michigan as, as a freshman, 10 catches, 75 yards. He gets to Illinois, you know, no production in 2019 as he's kind of biding his time, seven catches, 64 yards in 2020, 14 catches, 142 yards in 2021. Then last year when you were talking about, Getting that that workload, that huge increase from 170 carries and 1,005 yards and five touchdowns to 328 carries for 1,643 yards and 10 touchdowns. Then they upped his catching uh, production, his receiving production: 27 catches, 240 yards, about nine-yard average, and three touchdowns. So you're right. Uh, really, only that that one year's worth of of catch and run production, but. Showed that he could do it. Certainly needed some work in that area, though.
0: Yeah, just like he's got a good combination of overall speed, but like a physicality to him as well. I mean, you can see why him and his brother Sydney are twins because they just kind of like play similar, even though different positions of just yeah, you know, being able to uh, get the better of your opponent when you yeah. go when you go one on one. So yeah, I like the pick for a later round. We do think the Bucs are going to take a running back at, at at some point. It's just a matter of in the draft do they go undrafted free agent? Um, you know, outside of Bijan Robinson, there's no must-have running backs, and I think year after year that that number slimming anyway because yeah. of how the running back position is viewed. But yeah, I'd be more than fine with him. Uh, yeah. You know.
1: Or Bucks. his brother, right? I'm yeah, a Sydney so, Brown fan. More, as well. more
0: his brother, personally.
1: But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, There's I'll a lot of other good running back. backs. But yeah. again, this is one of those things, right? Where we had the, the Bucks' best bets. We had Rashawn Johnson mm-hmm. from Texas as our early Bucks' best bet. If they're going to draft a running back and, you know, probably not higher than third round, Matt Johnson would be that guy. Yeah. Our day three, which is rounds four through seven, Bucks' best bet was. Was Ibrahim um,
0: Muhammad Ibrahim Muhammad
1: Ibrahim yeah. from from uh, Minnesota. Minnesota,
0: who played and, with Kokeev,
1: <laughs> who played with Kokeev, and you know, and, and so that's one of those things where we know that that he would be a really really good fit as a late round guy, and you can't have all your but your Bucks best bets as fifth rounders, right? Because there's going to be sixth and seventh rounders too. You got to kind of play yes. that jigsaw puzzle and spread out the pieces a little bit. But, yeah, they had Chase Brown in for a visit, one of only four running backs, including Bijan John Robinson and and uh, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama and, and Roshan Johnson. So it kind of makes sense to put him on, as you said, Matt, earlier, Buck fans' radar and, and get this guy kind of out there as well because that it might be an option for Tampa Bay on round three, uh, day three.
0: Yeah, very much could be. Uh, moving on into the – First of the trip sixes of yeah. uh six round picks that the Buccaneers have going on uh in this year's draft, of course. Yeah. Uh Cam Jones. Cam in Jones Indiana. out of Indiana. They lay in finally... the wood on yeah. That's there. that's a great photo for this yeah. uh for this podcast.
1: Yeah, probably uh targeting too, but uh we'll we'll let it slide. That's We're true, sure yeah. The flag. Uh that, that's fine in the NFL, you can do that um In college, not so much, but yeah, uh, Cam Jones. This is a player. I will tell you, Matt, I really didn't know a lot about him, right? And just like how you were really kind of enlightened by what you saw from Darnell Wright at at the Senior Bowl, you know. Listen, we are knee deep in Buccaneer covers during the season. We're we, you know we've got the the draft on the periphery, but let's face it, this is not like like years ago, right? <laughs> in the dark ages sure. of Buccaneer football, where we're starting to crank out mock drafts in November because the season's already over, and it just it was almost Halloween all of a sudden boom it's you're you're looking at a team that's destined for a top 10 pick that hasn't been the case in Tampa Bay for a while Thank so you. we have some of these draft prospects on the periphery but we don't really dive into our draft coverage until January at the senior bowl at the combine all this so man I, I I'm over here talking to to cam Jones this guy's football IQ and his just his presence he has a bit of an aura about him and I was just like wow like man I I don't know if this guy can play, but I got to do some homework on him. He really stood out to me. Probably the most impressive slash surprising interview that I had at the combine because we all kind of divvy up guys and, and go talk to him. Yeah, and he had a formal interview with the Buccaneers, right? And that's he's projected to be a day three guy. Not the biggest build, you know, six two, about two hundred and twenty seven, two hundred twenty eight pounds. Ran a four six. Not a blazer like Devin White, but more like Levante David. When I watch him on film, that's kind of who I see a little bit, playing that weak side linebacker, that mo linebacker in Todd Bowles' scheme. He can do it all. He can cover. He can blitz. He can tackle. He can stack and shed. He's a smart guy, high football IQ, team leader, team captain. Um, I I think this guy would be a home run pick on day three. Matt, I think you've said it before. Jason Light really has not had – any of those diamond in the rough players on day three in a long time, this could be one of those guys.
0: Yeah, not for a bit he hasn't. And uh, Jones is known for uh, being pretty strong uh, in the run game itself. But you mentioned the high IQ, and I was talking about this on yesterday's show, but I think it's important that it bears repeating. You know, High IQ, you can kind of put that in the same area as like instincts and finding an instinctual player. And at least on defense, outside of like maybe – you could argue corner and safety, but I think if you get an inside linebacker yeah. that just has the right instincts for the game. It could take your defense from one level to the next. I'm not going to say good to great, but you know, right. from average to good yeah. or, or whatever it is. So if you combine the IQ with his ability to stop the run, which is the MO of what a Todd Bowles defense goes for. And yeah. he gets to learn from Levante David, the same way that Devin white did and, I know we've been kind of knocking Devin White as of late, but let's remember he had a very promising beginning to his career both as a rookie right. and then winning the Super Bowl in 2020. So, yeah. you know, Lavonte David has to get some credit for that. Maybe Cam That's Jones right. can be the next guy in line to uh fill that out.
1: I agree. Um I have a comment here. What about uh, Deuce Vaughn? Um he's on the Bucks radar. That's all I'll say. He's on the Bucs radar. I don't we don't have him as a Bucks best bet. Not necessarily forecasting him you know, anywhere, but uh, he he did have not just – he didn't have a formal interview with the Buccaneers. He had an informal interview at the Combine. I don't know if he had a top 30 visit to Tampa or not. I'm not sure. But um, he met with Skip Pete, the running backs coach. Usually when you have an informal uh, interview at the Combine, it's with an area scout. And he met with an area scout and also running backs coach Skip Pete. So we'll see. I wouldn't mind having another Wildcat in Tampa. It's been a minute. Last one didn't turn out so great with Josh Freeman, so not, uh, hopefully, well. hopefully uh, the next Wildcat, whoever it may be, will end up being a better player. But no Wildcats in this mock draft, uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if they end up taking one. There's a couple of guys they like that I've I've been told about, but we'll see. Uh, moving on to the the next 6 round pick, sticking with defense, you know they had a lot of luck with this guy Jordan Whitehead. In the fourth round, he might have been the last kind of day three guy to really make an impact, Matt, yeah. for the Buccaneers in terms of Jason Light's draft picks really panning out. And this guy here, Brandon Hill, the safety, reminds me an awful lot of another Pittsburgh Panthers safety in Jordan Whitehead. 5'10", rocked up, kind of a bigger guy in terms of his, his frame. Um, 5'10", 193, he's, he's built like Jordan Whitehead, built like Mike Edwards, that kind of smaller safety, but compactly built, but he's fast. He's going to bring some more size to, not size, but speed to this Bucks defense. The fastest safety of the combine, right? Four, four, three speed.
0: Yeah, uh, wild amount of uh, athleticism, which I, I think is key. The Bucks always look for playmakers, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, being able to move him around in different spots, um, speed kills. Yeah. I think Todd Bowles is already dreaming of blitzing him up in a couple of uh, yeah. different scenarios, which I think would be really fun. And I have a theory in general that it's crazy that, you know, Pittsburgh itself, the the school doesn't have like a tremendous amount of success. But right. individually, players that come out yes. of there have <laughs> yeah. unreal careers, whether it's yeah. Aaron Donald, Dan Marino, Larry Fitzgerald, Darrell Revis, yeah. Sean McCoy. Uh, you know, Jordan Whitehead, obviously, maybe not and, on the same Antonio
1: level. Antonio Bryant, the, as the former Bucks receiver. Yeah.
0: yeah, and so I'm always willing to take a chance yeah. on a Pittsburgh player.
1: Yeah, and this Primarily guy Primarily
0: because of where they played school at.
1: Yeah, and he, he hits like a hammer. He will miss sometimes, too. That's why he's a day three guy. There's some holes in his game. He's got to be a more sure tackler. Got to take sometimes better angles to the ball that can be taught, that can be coached, mm-hmm. and you look at. At uh, uh, Hill, he's a junior, too. So he, some of these guys are, are fifth- and sixth-year seniors, Matt. And then you got some guys that are juniors, only played three seasons. That was the case with Hill. Very productive, though. Had, um, you know, looks like about 150-some tackles in his three years. Had three interceptions, a couple of touchdowns. One was on a pick six. One was on a scoop and score. So this guy's got some speed. He can hit. You know, he fits kind of that physical there you go, Mark Fisher. That's right, Antonio Bryant from um, from Pittsburgh. Another good wide receiver the Bucks had for a minute in free agency. And finishing out the sixth round, we're going to go quarterback. Now, I don't know if this guy's going to be here. Uh, who knows with quarterbacks, right? This guy could be one of those beauties in the eye to beholder guys, and he might go ahead of Aiden O'Connell in the third round or fourth round. But sometimes quarterbacks drop. And we even saw Brock Purdy, who had a really good career at Iowa State, all the way down to Mr. Irrelevant, seventh round. But we, we think that there is something to the Buccaneers bringing this guy in for a top 30 visit. He seems to fit physically what Dave Canales likes in terms of a guy that's mobile, that can get out there and do some of those quarterback bootlegs and waggles. You can also put him in the quarterback run game. And he averaged, uh, I think, 3.5 yards per carry, which doesn't seem like a lot. But, Matt, in college, they subtract sack yardage from your rushing yardage, too. Yeah, I
0: know, which is weird. It's
1: a little weird statistic there. but uh, So whenever you get sacked, if you get a 10-yard sack, that's 10 yards off your rushing total. Even though you weren't rushing, you were passing. That's just how they do it. But 104, 105 touchdowns, whatever the number is, that's a lot of touchdowns that he's thrown in college. I think he's got a a finish with a four to one touchdown interception ratio that is over his career last two years, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions as a junior, then 40 touchdowns, 10 Mm -hmm. interceptions as a senior, just gotten better every year, more productive every year. And he could be kind of a, a late steal for the Buccaneers on day three.
0: Yeah, we know the Bucks need to add a third quarterback. Whether you want to debate they should get a veteran or go through the draft, um, you know, that argument be can be going for another day. You've seen in recent years just the trend of late round quarterbacks, you don't you obviously don't want them to play, but they've played out of necessity. Uh your yeah. very own Skylar Thompson with the yeah. Dolphins and then Brock Purdy, of course. So, you know, if you're taking a guy late with the you know, break glass in case of emergency type of right. situation. You want someone that has a little bit of another element, like, okay, if he's a good passer, fine, but if he's just a statue back there, that's probably not going to do anything. Right. So just like the the versatility to be able to move, uh, especially in this new offense with Dave Canals, get some of the waggles going. I, I think it's fine for a, a late round pick where uh, you guys have selecting him um, in, in this year's draft. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. They have to get a third quarterback. Why not? Why not do it through Clayton Toon?
1: Yeah. And then wrapping up our mock draft where he was in the last one, we'll keep him there. Not that we really like him, but the Bucs seem to. <laughs> so <laughs> it's again, folks, th- these are not necessarily players that we love or like or stand on the table for. We can appreciate some of them, but Miles Brooks is one of those players uh, to end the draft coming away with another cornerback who can maybe play inside as well as outside. He came from Louisiana Tech, but prior to that, he had a a career at Stephen F. Austin, where he had four interceptions in 2021 and then a pair of picks in 2019 and and 2020. And then he had three interceptions last year. So he is kind of a feast or famine type guy, average speed, 451, but uh, pretty decent size, six foot, 201. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, got a nose for the ball, right? And he can break up some passes and pick some off. And so they want another guy that can create some turnovers there. So that's that's the mock draft right there, folks. Uh, we'd love to have your your comment and your feedback uh, uh, in the article comments. Uh, on the story, I'll, I'm going to grab it and put it here in the chat. Should have done that at the beginning, but you can take a look at it now. And uh, let us know what you think. We also have it posted on Twitter and Facebook, but we'd love to get your, your comments uh, on it. And, um, uh, you know, folks, I, I, I've i been saying for the longest time, you know, I'm going to be 51, going to be 51, go to age rejuvenation, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I am 51 now, and uh, but I don't feel it. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel it a little bit because of all the draft prep work, but boy, <laughs> if I didn't have testosterone therapy at age rejuvenation, I would be hurting right now.
0: As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive, I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. I've got my, all my energy back, mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now.
1: Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. That's the biggest thing, folks. Don't wait. Uh, Don't wait until me where I was 50 and 51 years old to get testosterone therapy. Because more often than not, if you're in your 40s, you're seeing a decrease in your testosterone levels. That's natural. There's not much you can do about it except go to age rejuvenation and fight it with testosterone therapy. Sign up for their free consultation. Go to agerejuvenation.com five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you that free consultation. They're going to get your blood work done. Find out what what your testosterone level is. Insurance will pay for it. And um, and if you feel like testosterone therapy is right for you, what it's going to do is help you sleep better at night, uh, help your workouts. You're going to have more vitality. You're going to have more energy. You're not going to have the mental fog. And it's made a huge difference in my life already. Wish I would have done it sooner. Age rejuvenation make sure that you visit the website agejuvenation.com.
0: Check out Age rejuvenation. Then, of course, check out pewterreport.com. And all of our social media, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Pewter Report, and our YouTube channel, which you're on right now, Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe. Hit those buttons. Help us out with our algorithm, getting those numbers up. And again, one more reminder. Coming up, starting on Thursday, April 27th, it is the Pewter Report Live draft show, energized by Celsius. We are going to be live on our YouTube channel and uh, PeterReport.com as well, where you can watch it. We'll be at the Bucks facility, the Avon Health Training Center, uh, one hour before each show. You can see the times there on the screen. Uh, all day and night events, super fun. We uh, give our analysis on everything from the draft, picks from the Bucks, picks from other teams. We're going to have everybody... From pewterreport.com, both on the show and in the building. Going to be a very, very uh, fun time. Would love for you guys to join us. We will be uh, very interactive with the crowd, the pewter people that are on the show. Uh, That's going to do it for us on today's show. Just a reminder no show tomorrow because we have the big event coming up Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So until then, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everybody for watching. And we will see you on draft night for another edition of. The Pewter Report Podcast. Out.
1: Out.